Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Jason Clark tells us about starring alongside Dame Helen Mirren in Sky Atlantic's epic Catherine the Great. Alan Brazil shares stories surrounding the number one best-selling book, 20 Years of Talk Sport. Ed Gamble chats about his first stand-up special, Blood Sugar, and his current UK Blizzard tour. And Queer Eyes' Anthony Porowski chats his new book and gives us a fail-safe Polish hang Overcure. Plus loads more great guests. Enjoy, my friends, enjoy. If you've ever wondered what it's like going on a night out with our next guest, well, wonder no more. The brand new book, 20 Years of Talk Sport, is out now. And here, live on Virgin Radio and Talk Sport at the same time. Please welcome, from Talk Sport's breakfast show, the titan of sports broadcasting, it's Alan it's Brazil! Big Al. The I've been, I've been in called the some names in my time, the titan. No. All right, good. Now, you came in here this morning and you said, oh, yesterday was a large one. Now, for you, a large one for you is unsustainable and potentially fatal for most of the rest of us so so how you know that that's saying something as far as yesterday is concerned. i don't like bragging Chris. No, you don't like i bragging. don't like bragging. you're just reporting the facts that's I all you just, do uh, i just enjoy myself a little bit too much sometimes all right well 20, yesterday was one of them but you made it into work 20 years of talk sport which hasn't always been the case and it's that is chronicled in here but of course talk sport didn't begin as talk sport it started as talk radio were you around for the beginning oh yes tell us about i that. was asked to come to oxford street would be around 20 years ago, maybe just slightly before, uh, maybe 20, 20 and a half years. Uh-huh. And it was a Friday. And could I do seven till nine o'clock? I went, yeah, where, where is it? Oxford Street. I went, oh, that's handy. Because I was actually having lunch in the Red Fort, the Indian restaurant, yeah. just off Oxford Street. Mm-hmm. And it was a very pleasant lunch, or it looked like that way. And I thought, well, I'm not putting that off. Top, top radio it was at the time. I thought, I'll have a go at that. So anyway, we had a great lunch, lovely lunch. And I popped, I went, Shh, look at the time, 20 to 7, got to go over there. So I popped into the studio. Mike Parry turns up and says, there you go, out there, 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 there's the studio, there's the studio. I'm like, yeah, who am I on with? Wait, he was running the whole He was the running time. it. There's the studio. I said, well, uh, who am I on with? Have I got a script? He went, no, you don't need that. You're on your own. I went, what do you mean on own? What am I talking about? He said, just say hello, who you are, tell a couple of stories, and cabs will phone in. I went, get lost, I can't do that. <laughs> so I, I went in there, 7 o'clock, yep. the news, three minutes past 7. Hi, good evening. And I did have a few <laughs> glasses of wine during the lunch, so I was pretty relaxed about it. And yep. lo and behold, after about three, four minutes, bang, 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 all these cabs phoned in. How are you, Al? I picked you up a couple of times. I'm like, what's he going to say here? Anyway, that was it. That's how it all started, Great. honestly. Okay, Two then, hours. And then it became talk sports very quickly because Kelvin McKenzie said that was yes. that's commercially that's a better idea. So when did you get the break? You mean Ke- Kelvin sacked me McKenzie. Is that who you mean? How many times did he sack you? Three. Three, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hat trick. So already we have a sporting theme going on here. Three, three times. <laughs> okay, so so how and when did you get the breakfast show? <laughs> um, well, I started doing a few evenings and I met the great James Whale. Right. And we had lunch over that window at Canary Wharf. Right. And we had a bit of... And it was great. He says, have a go at breakfast. I went, James, you're having a laugh. I couldn't go up at 10 o'clock for football. <laughs> Never mind. What time we went? Six. I went, I can't do Just it. Just stay out. Try it. <laughs> well, hence the three sackings. I did try that as well. Okay, so you sacked three times. Yes. So, so how did you, inve- did you inveigle your way back in after each sacking or did they beg you to come back because of popular, via popular demand? Um, the, the, the worst one was Cheltenham and I knew what I was doing. I was out of order, to be honest, Chris. I was bang out of order. St. Patrick's Day. And um, oh, I remember that because it was my wife's birthday right. and I was at Cheltenham That's and handy. I was told it was the Cheltenham Gold Cup and I was told, go home, you know, after the show, get home to do the Friday show in London. Right. I'm not missing the Gold Cup, no chance. Uh-huh. So Paddy the snake, snake in the grass, after the show, he left, he got the train home and I watched the Gold Cup and to be honest, it was those darker days and I was, I was on my way home and I thought... 
do you know what? I'm going to the traffic was mobbed. I thought I'm I'm going to I'm going to pull over in a lovely little village, Martin and Marsh. Right. Right. Yeah. So I pulled over. There's a wee Irish guy in the door. I said, "Oh, Mister Brazil, morning. How are you?" And I went, oh, "Mate, mate, I'm fine. Have you got me a room, please? I just need a room for a few hours, and you got to wake me up. I've got to leave by three. He went, "No problem. We've got one left." I went, "Great. I'll have it." So I thought I'd retire by the open fire, Cotswolds, beautiful, Morton and Marsh, with a nice glass of red, heavy red. And he pulled, he posed me the red, and I sat down. He said, oh, I'm very surprised, Mr. Brazil. I thought you'd be up the road, the best pub in the village, Jim Steele, who had played for Southampton. And I had a great night a long time ago, February 16th. We beat Southampton 5-2. Keegan, Shannon, Ball played. Jim Steele, all the, And I scored five. We beat them 5-2, right? Scored so five. I scored five. And that was my probably greatest achievement. And I went, I've got to see him. So I put the glass down. Big mistake. Walked up the village, up the high street. And they was behind the bar with a Rangers top on. It was St. Patrick's Day. It was like being in heaven. And I'm going, hey, blue nose, blue nose. Pint of Guinness and St. Patrick's Day. And he's looking around. The, the pub's packed. And everyone's coming back from the races. Anyway... You know when things, you know when you wake up in the morning and you think something's not right here. <laughs> and uh, my phone was broke, right? I yeah. dropped my phone, it was broke. And I, I looked at my watch and went, oh my God. So I grabbed my bag, I ran down the stairs, and little Irish guy's there. I said, oi, oi. I said, you're bang out of order. I told you I had to leave at three, you idiot. You've got me the side. And he, but, but sir, but, I said, never mind, but sir, where's my, get, 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 get out of the way, get out of the way. But sir, where's that? And as I got halfway out the door, he said, sir, I went, what? He says, you never come home to 4.20. <laughs> <laughs> I went, all right, I'm sorry, mate. Okay. So I got back here. My daughter's on the phone. Dad, dad. So I go into the shop in Cheapside and near Bank and I get a new phone. Dad, 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 a bike's arrived. I went, what? A bike? So he'd sent a bike to my house to give my wife the letter. Your husband's a disgrace. He sacked. <laughs> so what do you do, Chris? Oh, I says, girls, get the skis. Merry Bell, 10 days, beautiful. Snow was brilliant, blue skies. And, uh, Love your thinking. About, after about five days, <laughs> I get the call. Ow, ow, any chance coming back? Go away, parry your snake. Bang, put the phone down. And eventually I came back and uh, it was rice time. Lovely. Got right. a rise out of that. Good. Well, good. Um, and how long do you think you're going to be at TalkSport for? Three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, is the, how, are the break closed? Is, it, is there a. Christmas. Uh, Christmas is 20 years. That's it. Uh, it's 20 years. So uh, I'm not joking. I, I, I'm thinking. Is that enough? You know, get out where the going's good. I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm thinking, I'm 60 now. Do us a favour, don't give it up, don't pack it in. I, I, you can't keep going forever, can you? No, I, but, I don't get home enough, that's my problem. And I'm, I'm, I'm But that's home. nothing to do with the show. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm not, honestly, I'm... It's probably uh, the show that's... Imagine if you didn't have the show to interrupt oh no, what change. you usually get up to. No, no, no. When I go the home, I'm the opposite. I do, it, I do it the wrong way. When I go home, I'm quiet. It's when I'm in London, I'm a nightmare. All right, OK. Well, Alex, lovely to see you. Pleasure, as, as, as always. always. And right. good luck, guys. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He came from a land down under to conquer Hollywood. From home and away, all the way to Zero Dark Thirty and Planet of the Apes, he's done it. Soon to be seen starring alongside Dame Helen Mirren in the fantastic Sky original Catherine the Great. Please welcome the Aussie awesomeness of an awesome Aussie. It's Jason Clark. Good morning, Jason. <laughs> good morning. So, um, Vassos here spent... He, he claims a couple of hours with Helen Mirren uh, two nights ago. Uh, I'm thinking more two minutes. He came back with a two-minute interview. How can you going to... Why, why are you going to come back with... How can you come back with two, two minutes? Two minutes if he spent two hours with it. I think he was probably a minute and he's re-edited it to sound longer. Uh, how long did you actually spend with Helen Mirren and what was it like? On, months. On Catherine the Great. Months. We spent like, you know, four and a half months. You know, at, um, you know, four or five in the morning shooting, you know, with me in a dress and her in some pants, you know, made up. Wrong with, way around. No, it was the wrong <laughs> way around. But it's a perfect way to get into a conversation and disarm somebody. Um, no, we, you know, we, we, you know, all across Europe, St. Petersburg, Lithuania, Latvia, palaces, you know, castles, so dark you went, rooms, you went beheadings. to the right places because often, you yeah, know, you, you have a, a an LA-based cop show filmed in Seville in Spain. But yeah. you did go to St. Petersburg. We went to St. Petersburg. We shot at these palaces. Russia gave us, you know, a lot of nets and a lot of access. They were wonderful to us. Okay, are the palaces are palaces as extraordinary as because you can do a lot with with you know cinematography. Are, yeah. are they in real life as extraordinary as they come across? On They're the mind blowing. Are I they? mean, they really are. I mean, one of the, when you drive up to I mean, they've all, a lot of them in St. Peter's were rebuilt because they were destroyed in the war, but they rebuilt them you know immaculately. And there's a there's like a wanna in this gold room which goes on forever, and it's a dolly shot that pulls back for like minutes, you know, and you've got enough floorboard and room and gold going past. That it holds Helen and Awana. 
It's 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 you know it's it's St. Petersburg is you know it's, it's the home of it's one of the greatest cities in the world. It's easy to forget that. I don't know if you went to the World Cup or something, but it, you know canals and art and the Hermitage and the palaces and the you know and the Marinsky Theater and the ballet. It's like how can he spend two minutes with Helen and just come back with well, two minute interview? What's well, that? I'm gonna is he because I, I in my I'm not looking at him on purpose. Yeah. In my peripheral vision, is he bristling? No, I'm not bit? looking him either. Can yeah. you sense him bristling? I can feel it. Okay. Do you know why? Why? Because he also has a St. St. Petersburg story as well. Ah. So which I think is why. <laughs> The team here sent him to Helen Mirren to go and see Helen Mirren. To, to, I think you said to me, Russ, that the qualification for sending you was to bring a bit of Russia to the evening. Yeah. Uh, what, <laughs> and the Premier of St. Catherine the Great? And Helen Mirren's there as well, anyhow. If I had and you, one... they require you to bring some Russian to the event. <laughs> if I had one concern, yes, because I, I, I lived in Russia. I actually, here I we actually... go, here we go. I, um, I lived in St. Petersburg and I, I love that place. Yeah, I love but... what it means to the Russians. I really, yeah. I think I get it. Mm. And I, if I had one concern before watching Catherine the Great, this, this amazing thing about one of the most amazing people, forget women, men, yeah. most amazing people in history. Yeah. And this fantastic love story is that it wouldn't do justice to the amazing palaces, to the amazing architecture, to the amazing time that they, but it, I mean, it it did with bells on. Yeah, I mean those. Costumes... You know, how many have you seen? Only episode one, haven't you? No, well, I did. I watched episode one, and then I came home, and I've got a link. Yeah, did you? And I watched all? two, three, and four. Oh, well, you see it all. You, yeah, you see, you know. Yeah, we, I mean, no, we can't yeah. talk about the twist yeah. at the end. Yeah, but. Um, you mean there's a twist at the end? <laughs> I've said too much already. <laughs> there's a sting in the tail. Well, hopefully there's a few twists along the way too. Uh, so Jason, tell us who you play and um, is, is he a rapscallion? Do we need to fear him? Do we need to worry on uh, Catherine the Great's behalf? Oh, you should always be scared. <laughs> um, he's, you know, Grigory Potemkin. He was, uh, you know, Serenissimus, you know, the, the prince. He was, you know, he, he bestrode the natural world like a colossus. He, he, he annexed the Ukraine and Crimea. You know, he, he, he founded Sebastopol. You know, he took Russia to the Black Sea and almost to the Mediterranean. He was a man of letters and love and art. A lot of his letters to Catherine have survived. And, and, and their correspondence, not only as lovers and friends, but as, as empire builders and as czar and right-hand man. You know, she was a German woman who ran Russia. You know, I mean, when it was its biggest, giantest, barest. You know, and, and, and did it, you know. And, and he was the man that really helped and, and, and put Russia into the gigantic... You know, mass that it is. So, did, did they lock horns, or were they always collegiate? Were horns. they collegiate? Yes, no, they, they, they locked horns a lot. You read their letters; they're, they're incredibly passionate and crazy, and you know, and, and way over the top. I mean, you're not going to sit there and be boring to a to a queen, are you? I mean, you've got to keep her entertained. Let's talk about Russian vodka, um, uh, Jason, if you don't mind. Um, mm. It's lethal. Uh, we heard yesterday about the everybody's favourite Russian vodka game, which can be over 100% pr- proof. I don't know if you played this when you were you you were on 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 location in Russia, but the, apparently the best. Russian vodka game you can play is you put your vodka in the freezer for 24 hours so it's freezing cold then three of you get in a room and somehow quickly or slowly or however you want to you equally uh, dispose of the bottle of vodka okay so so you drink the bottle of vodka between you then one of you has to leave the room and the other two have to guess which one's left <laughs> apparently it's a fantastic game and it can take hours <laughs> and it has been heard f- from one of the two remaining people said to each other is it me yeah. have I left <laughs> <laughs> so any on location experiences like that? I've also now I've got some other ones though where you you eat the glass. Oh, less really? Yeah, the dude well, ate the glass. Yeah. Okay. Let if you him... chew it hard enough and no, grow it, no, it's sand no. in the end. Well, there was a, there is a man in the Guinness Book of Records who ate, who ate a light aircraft. Yeah. He, he, he ate yeah. the whole of it, but then he died of, of aircraft consumption. Yes, I didn't. Is it's, it's all there, Jason? But it's it's all... wonderful. You go, you know, you have the you know the vodka and the caviar. I mean, Helen was telling me, because I'd never had caviar. Helen Mirren. Yeah, Helen, Helen, Helen Mirren was telling me, yes. Helen Mirren. I'd never had caviar. And I said, oh, oh darling, we've got to go and have some caviar. I've got to show you. And then, and then that <laughs> leads to, well, when was the first time you had caviar? And the first time she had caviar was with Peter Sellers in Paris oh, at well, Maxim's. That, well, of course it was. Yeah, of course it was <laughs> on Fu Manchu. And it was just like, you know, and Sellers was like, you know, had you know, some big, massive, you know, bucket. 
you know, with a with a mini sand shovel to eat this caviar out. It's caviar supplier. <laughs> People do have caviar caviar dealers. They do do that. that of course happens. you do. Yeah. Catherine the Great, uh, Thursday, third of October, uh, starring Jason Clark and Dame Helen Mirren, and um, now they're best friends. You're already best friends with her. Mm. Yeah. And it's awesome. Okay. It's really awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's one of the fastest rising stars in British comedy and proves it week in, week out on Taskmaster, 8 out of 10 cats and mock the week to name but a few. With a new UK tour and stand-up special on the way, we're not taking a gamble, we're talking to the hilarious Ed Gamble. <laughs> Good morning, Ed. Good morning, what an intro. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Oh. Nice to hear I'm a, the fastest rising star after doing it for about 14 years. Yeah, you see, he's just trying to be nice. <laughs> the trajectory is uh, yeah. glacial. Yeah, well, there's no such thing as an overnight success, we know that. <laughs> um, and there's no Things the race to the bottom, it's merely to the top. Uh, and welcome to the gang, Thank welcome you very to much. the band. Uh, it's, it's lovely here today, and it's only going to be made lovely by you because you're a likable comedian. You have that affability about you. You have the Peter K gene, you have the John Bishop gene, you have the Johnny. Um, uh, Johnny. Um, uh, Come on, Chris. It's gone now. Vegas. <laughs> Vegas gene. Vegas, yeah. yeah, there we go. You have the vulnerable gene. Yeah, don't, don't, we, don't we all? <laughs> But also, so you are a diabetic, and now um, yes. blood sugar, which is available now uh, blood, on Amazon Prime, on yes. Amazon Prime, it kicks off with this whole type one versus type two uh, sort of gang warfare. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Type, yeah, because that, ang- that is that a thing? Yeah, well, kind of. I, I do. I play it up a little bit. I mean, it's angered some type twos. I'll be honest, who right. want a sort of uh, consolidated diabetic community. Uh, but I'm I'm, pl- I'm playing up to it. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the time I'm type one. A lot of the time, type ones can be mistaken for type twos. People have got ideas about what they think diabetes is. Right. So I'm just I'm just trying to draw that line between the two the and two you, communities. You kick off with that, which is fantastic. Yeah. Because itself is you know, it's very vulnerable. It's very endearing. It's very disarming as Thank well. You. It's got all those things that are useful to a comedian to get the audience on your level in tune with your particular frequency sure yeah i think uh but i think that's naturally who i am anyway right i think i'm i'm desperate to please i don't think that's why i became a comedian i just want everyone to like me at all times you can, but you also come on to um thrash metal don't you and you are yeah. a, you are a metal fan um but of course you don't look like a typical metal fan no i've got a, a cheeky cheeky choir boy face yeah i look like a mormon is what i say a in mormon the, in, in disguise. the show a mormon in disguise yeah, yeah. coming to convert a kid near you anytime soon yeah. you, you and your family just leave the door in for more than a minute and I'm all yours that kind of thing yeah that sort of thing yeah but I like hor- horrible horrible music now you also mentioned when you come on you say look I wanted to join a band I was in a band at school and um, uh, but and I said look, they said look you can be in the band if you play an instrument yes I do heavy metal band I play the bassoon yes okay now I thought that's that's quite funny but I thought that's quite low hanging fruit from a comedic point of view until actually I'll take that end, as a quote I'll no, pop that on my poster no because it, no, no hang on <laughs> Whoa, whoa. Hang, no, hang on, hang on. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave it there, am I? Jeez. And now a song. And then at the end, but then at the end, you come on with the bassoon, and you think, oh no, he really did play the bassoon, and that's why it's clever, and that's why it's not low hanging fruit. Spoiler warning that's, there. That's why. Forget, that, for, forget that you heard that. Okay, but but by the time we get to that, it doesn't really matter. Sure. Low hanging fruit. So, but you did play the bassoon. I did play the bassoon. Okay. Grade two. All if right, you please. I also learned from your video that when you do that at a heavy metal gig, yeah. that, I didn't realise that was the devil. Horns. Yeah, that's the devil's horns. I knew I, th- I knew it was something, but I didn't know it was that. Yeah. Okay. And I now, believe it's that. Yeah. And you were going to bring you were going to bring this into your your the, your own your fifteen year old craft yeah. as a rock musician. So you were going to do the devil's horns on stage, but what happened? What went wrong? I did a thumbs up. Thumbs by up. Accident. <laughs> yeah. But you thought you'd done the I devil's horns. I thought I'd horn. done it. I was just so excited. And you didn't know why people are laughing. Then you looked no. at your own hand, and it wasn't the devil's horn. It was up. a thumbs up. I'm like, t- Yay! I'm too cheeky to commune with the devil. Right. I can't do it. Is it also, honestly, is it true that during your first and only gig before you were fired from this band, yeah. that you, you, one of the other things they didn't like is you waved, you just kept waving to members of the audience? Well, in, in a heavy were, metal band. There were people that I knew in the audience. You've got to, you've got to thank them for coming, right? Give them a cheeky little wave. Does it also help in your business to have a completely eccentric father? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that is about 20 minutes of the show, luckily. Uh, that my dad started uh, emailing the vet pretending to be the cat. (laughs) (laughs) 
So as soon as you hear that, well, thank you, Dad. Why, why did he decide to do not first person, but by first feline? Why, why is... I've got no idea. You'd have to ask him. I've got no idea how that man's why, brain works. Why have works. you never asked him that? Surely you would say, Dad, this is very funny. I've got 20 minutes out of it. The toy's doing really well. Thanks very much. I'll help you with the next mortgage if you ever have one. But by the way, why did you why do that? Why did you do that? I've got no idea. I think I'm just terrified that eventually I will be doing things like that. So I don't necessarily want to know the pathway as to how he got there. Can we talk about him going to an artisan bakery or not? Or was is that, is that another spoiler? I mean, it's a spoiler. I don't mind talking about it. It's very funny. Well, thanks. Because, I mean, you know, double doubling down is very much the, 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 the in the public parlance at the moment for all the wrong reasons. But your dad can your dad can give lessons in doubling down, yeah, can't he? Yeah, absolutely. Just so... if you tell as much of the story as you want to about him going on a Saturday morning to get a loaf of bread from an arse I'll, 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 t- I'll tell the story. I'll do the bare bones. Okay. Um, so he uh, marched into a bakery. He marches everywhere. Uh, and he pointed at the chalkboard behind the lady working in the bakery and demanded the Danish boog. Um, she for a while insisted there was no such thing as a Danish boog uh, and he continued to angrily ask for the Danish boog uh, and then she turned around and uh, announced to us that he was actually pointing at the Danish 800 gram. <laughs> and when challenged when challenged on this, uh, he then just doubled down and said, no, I, would, I want the boog. <laughs> Go and get me the boog and then we had to leave. <laughs> She said, didn't answer the phrase, uh, our Saturday mornings would never be complete without yeah, our boog. Saturday morning's not complete without a boog. But there was, she was a little bit obstinate there. I mean, you know, they're starting to, they're starting to really give it to the man after. Well, know, it's very confusing for a while. Didn't she go and talk grand. to her manager? She had to go around and talk to the manager. That's when we made our swift exit. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Billy Piper chats about her directorial debut, Rare Beasts. Alex Horn discusses season nine of Taskmaster, his band The Horn Section, and so much more. Louis Theroux talks about his new book, Gotta Get Through This. And Mike Viking tells us all about happiness in his brand new book, The Art of Making Memories. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? Whether you reach for the cookie dough before the avocado or are the type to say hell yes to watercress, our next guest has a recipe hell to yeah. suit you. He's the star of hit Netflix show Queer Eye and here with copies of his new book, Anthony in the Kitchen. Please welcome the cook with the fiercest of looks. It's Anthony Porowski. Good morning, Anthony. What an introduction. <laughs> Can you just come with me everywhere? Yeah, every- what was the watercress comment? Or the type to say, hell yes to watercress. Hell yes to watercress. I'm going to have a t-shirt made with that on the next season, <laughs> and about, it'll, it'll be for you. Hell, hell yes to watercress, hell no to avocado. <laughs> I like avocados. It's killing the planet. That's It is? Yeah. But isn't everything, now almond milk is terrible as well? No, I don't know. I don't know. Climate. Everything is a mess. You es- you escape the climate summit by coming here. <laughs> it's just happening in New York now. Fair, isn't it? exactly. So, what better host to welcome you to the shores of the UK than Jack Whitehall? I couldn't think of anyone better, frankly. So, how did that happen? What's what's your history together? So, I uh, I was headed to to Paris from New York um, with a friend of mine uh, a few months ago, and he was standing in front of me, and I just finished binging Travels with My Father, which uh. is probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like, that father-son dynamic is something I can relate to on a very personal level. Right. And we just started chatting it up, and um, we've just sort of been like, I'm helping him with a little project, and then he, you know, decided uh, to come do a little panel discussion last night to talk about Anthony in the kitchen. Jack is so funny, isn't he? He's so clever. He's very quick, he's which very I always quick. respect somebody he's who's very, very like sharp and quick. Yeah, he's very quick. He's very clever, but he sort of doesn't. Um, he do, he doesn't over. He doesn't. He doesn't sh- shout too loudly about his his speed of thought. He just wears it very lightly on his yes. sleeve. You know? Yes. Yes. You can see he's he, he's got a thousand comebacks, and he can he can choose one, and sometimes he doesn't. 
bother because uh-huh. uh, he doesn't he doesn't really want to twist the knife too too. He too, picks too his battles and he's self deprecating. He I love somebody who's who can laugh at themselves. Right. So uh, your book, Anthony in the Kitchen, Anthony Yaprovsky, and uh, you had a panel about this book last night. So um, it's it's lovely. It starts with the moment, not the day, but the moment that changed your life, which is gorgeous. Uh, what kind of dis- uh, topics did you get to discuss last last evening? Um, so basically, <clears throat> like as I was up right before we we went up, Jack was saying like usually when I do these discussions, it's it's with somebody who wrote a memoir or we talk about sort of like their backstory in their life. And I joke that we could just like list out all of the ingredients from every recipe <laughs> and we can just do like interpreted readings of that. But um, but what I was trying to tell him was that like every single dish that's in that cookbook, like there's such a backstory behind it. It's like when ra- relationships started, when they ended. Love it. Food that I had with my parents when I was a little kid, um, when I was a broke-ass student in university, things that I make now for friends, epi- um, recipes that didn't make it to episodes of Queer yeah. Eye that I really wanted people to know about. Like there's always a story. It's never just a dish. Like there's always something behind it. And that's sort of my MO. And that's kind of what I try to convey with uh, with, with this book with this cookbook one of our most famous shows here in the UK on the radio and it's been going I think for 60 years it's called Desert Island Discs I don't know uh-huh. if you've heard of it but no. it's a great one for you to, to listen to when you're on your travels around the world and um They've had everybody on this show, and basically you pick eight records, um, and the most famous people in the world have been on this show, like Barack Obama, and over the mm-hmm. last 60s, imagine who that might include. And you pick, you, you're you marooned on a desert island, you're allowed to take eight records with you, okay? And, I love games like that. <laughs> and it's it's a very famous show, but yours in a way is desert island dishes, because it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Like yeah. you say, it's your life experience. You know, And one of the things that really evokes our memories, smells evoke our memories. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and food, you know, because yeah. it's so sort of... Um, visceral right um however you do kick off with hangover cures so let's let's first of all start with those <laughs> the poles we are well versed in hangovers and we've developed some really good cures for them and one of them is uh is zurek which is it's this beloved soup that like every polish family has their own version of making this right. pretty much and it's uh it's made with zakfas which is this really sour fermented rye um and there's pickles in the soup it doesn't get more Polish than this. There's right. sour cream. There's kielbasa where the fat is rendered so it's nice and, and, and crunchy and some vegetables. And um, I remember when I was a waiter at a, at a Polish restaurant called Stash Cafe in Montreal, I would show up looking like Casper the Ghost, just shaking. And the grandmothers in the in the basement who were like hand-making these pierogies would greet me with like a warm bowl of this stuff and give me some fried pierogies. And I would feel like half a human by the end of it as opposed to none of a human. Now, we were talking about going to a Russian restaurant because Catherine the Great with Helen Mirren starts on Sky um, next week at 9pm next Thursday. So we were going to celebrate going to a Russian restaurant. And I said, Mm. have you been to a Russian restaurant? And everybody here said no. And I went once. Okay. And I have never, ever um, been more damaged by a lunch. Uh, Not from the food point of view, from the drinks point of view. From the vodka. And because it was 100% proof. I think one was 120% proof, more than 100% proof. And I don't know how that happens. Oh my gosh. And they we're just swilling it down like like because you, they drink it chilled too. I, but I, I, and I was anything it goes but down chilled. so easily. <laughs> exactly. So what is the how close are the poles to the hundred percent plus proof drinks and the, and the need for this hangover I, cure? I mean, if I look back on even thinking about uh, for 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 poles, the tradition of Vigilia, which is December twenty fourth, Christmas Eve, we eat a lot of herring. It's kind of like the Italians. It's many like different the festival herrings. Of, uh, many different herrings. <laughs> and with herring, you can't have wine because it tastes too metallic. So what do you drink? Vodka. Whether you're 12 or 20, it like you drink chilled vodka. And there was always like a bottle chilled in the freezer. And that's what you would sip yeah. on before you go to church. So you think- can sit there for two hours. And you're so right because vodka doesn't freeze, does it? So what we, we make the mistake of trying to put vodka in a, a very cold part of the fridge. No, you have to no, put it in the freezer, don't you? It's in the freezer. In the freezer, yeah, for heaven's sake. Yeah, it's sacrilege for, for Poles to keep it out. Like, why would you do Why would you do that? Why not have it chilled? It's out now. It's a, it is a lovely book. That's what it is. It's a lovely Lovely book to have in your house and in your home and in your life and around the people you uh, love. Anthony in the kitchen. Anthony Broski, uh, forward by Ted Allen. It's out now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. As a pop star, she's topped the charts. As an actor, she's won numerous awards. And now as a writer and director, she's knocking people's socks off. Her directorial debut, Rare Beasts, is being shown at the BFI London Film Festival next month. And here to tell us all about it, it's the quite brilliant Billy Piper. Good. Good morning, uh, Billy Piper. Good morning. <laughs> how are you? Oh, how am I? <laughs> Quite stressed, bit rattled, but that's that's every day at C- the moment. Can we help at all? What are you stressed and rattled about? 
Well, I was stressed about getting here on time and um, just getting through the day and achieving all the things I need to achieve. It's one of those. Well, here's the thing. I didn't it's even nice know, to be here. I didn't know, know, know you were coming on until I arrived this morning and saw your name on the board. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yes, it is true. It's true. How do you not know what's happening on your own show? Well, because you weren't booked out, I understand, until yesterday afternoon by the Frothy Coffee Man. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I, but uh, to be honest, I, I, the... the, the more genuine and sincere answers. I never know what's happening on the show, which is why it's so good. Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, we we, we discover it's a journey. We it's we, a necessary energy you need oh, on a morning jump. show. Oh, yes, well, I think so. That's what we like to think, anyway. So, well, um, you look great. Thanks very much. <laughs> and I like your specs. You look great too. <laughs> Through my specs, this is all good already. So, what is go- going on? And now you showed me um, a sizzle reel of this film six months ago now. Was that yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, it's called Rare Beasts. Yeah, it's it's a it's a feature length um, a presentation. Um, how autobiographical is it? It's described beautifully here as an anti rom com or pitch black comedy, not a dark comedy, yeah. not a black comedy, but a pitch black comedy. Okay, um, yeah, off you go. Yeah, I would. I sort of described it as a pitch black comedy because um, I think there's a version of this film that is really really bleak um but the my version i've um i don't know the visual language feels really um exciting but basically i mean broadly speaking it's about a female nihilist trying to navigate life love work and reclaimed feminism i suppose it's funny because i looked up the word nihilist last night for an obviously i didn't know you coming in so for an entirely different reason um what is your definition of the word nihilist someone who doesn't believe in anything doesn't believe there's any point in is anything. Any, you live and you die and that's it. And I think that if this film is... If I can relate to any of the themes on this film, it's that I think there has been a point in my life where I I sort of believe... I've believed that that is that. You live, you die, and there's not there's not much beyond that, which is actually very depressing. Well, it's also... To live, but I think it's where, how I was raised. I mean, that was, uh, you know, a sort of regime in my house. Um even though my parents are lovely, whatever, but I think that's my... That, my dad was very much like that. But also, it's true. It is true. It is true, but what I think is sad um, about the world is that, um, you know, I mean, living with those um, ideas, it, it's a bit... It's bleak, and it's unhelpful when you're raising kids, and it's unhelpful for your mental health, and and that's... All, we cover all of that in the film, you know. It's, it's nice to have hope... Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, but uh, when I say it is true, it's just then what you... Because that, that's, that's what life is. You live, you, you're born, you live, and then you die. That's what life is. And it's just how you look at that. Yeah. And how you, what, what capacity, what mental capacity uh, and opportunities you have uh, with which to look at that. What lens you view that through every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's often said, you know, we say on the show all the time, you don't see life as it is, you see life as you are on the day that life is. Um, yeah. do, how, how, is how is that with writing? Do you write... Because you wrote the script for this, for heaven's sake. I did, yeah. I so, started writing it in my early thirties because I felt like that was a turning point for me, and, and and I and I saw it everywhere. I saw all of my female friends slightly falling apart at a time when the world was saying we could have it all, and I think it's really unhelpful telling us we can have it all because, you know, you, you can't, <laughs> you can't without falling apart, much like coming here today I'm trying to have it all at the moment and I am really breaking my neck I'm doing less and less and I love it yes and what you're doing is you don't have a phone and I I don't cover this in the film it's not about a phone but I need to get rid of it I have to I have to someone said to me yesterday we are basically giving ourselves ADHD now and I believe that I'm trying to learn all these scripts for this new show and I can't anymore so talking about the scripts you're trying to learn for the new show yeah i was slightly confused on friday because phil daniels was in here uh, and f- and i said what are you doing for the rest of the day and phil says well i'm going to to, for, to a table read um with with, uh, with billy piper and then he giggled <laughs> i said all right what's that and then the day before i was at sky because we broadcast the show live from sky our commercial partners last thursday and the the execs i was talking to there i said what are you doing so this is we're going for a table read with billy piper about her new show which is a sky original show it's the sky original show and then he said but then 
Phil said rare beasts. Now he's got that. That's where it's lost in translation, isn't it? Because he's not doing rare beasts. Because rare beasts is it's the alarming film that he doesn't know what, what <laughs> he's know, about. Which is what I thought. And I thought, oh, I've been on the source. I thought I've got it. I've got it wrong here. But no, no, so, he's so, got it wrong very right, much. So the Sky original thing you're doing is yeah. what? Um, it's called I Hate Susie, and I co-created it with Lucy Preble, who's an old friend and you know, fantastic writer, wonderful genius human being, and uh, we did secret diary together years and years ago and this is this is our latest um our latest project together the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky on virgin radio as the saying goes behind every successful man there is a woman with a nose for a new story and a wonderful understanding of the uk roads well this is very true of our next guest he's the creator of taskmaster and the front man of the horn section we know him as rachel's husband but you can call him alex horn good morning al good morning very nice to be here so congratulations ninth series of taskmaster a couple of weeks in now Yes, yeah, I think episode four is tonight. And they're a nice lot. They're like your family, this lot. Because you've got David Baddiel and Joe Brown, who you know from years past. Big hitters, A-listers on the comedy circuit. They really are, yeah. And you, actually, on this programme, we revealed that David was on it about a year ago by accident. So that was quite exciting. Because I'd been out with you the night before and wasn't quite in control of myself (laughs) the following morning. So we let that slip early. Um, I remember that. Yeah, I got in quite a lot of trouble for that. From, from quite a lot of people. From all corners. <laughs> yes. there, it wasn't my fault. Was wasn't. there any aspect of your life, any quadrant of your life, or even a slither of your life where you didn't get into trouble? No, no, no. <laughs> Rachel was cross with me, but, well, which is not every day, is it? But That's... I often do something wrong. I left the front door open recently. When I went to pick her up from the station, I left the front door wide open. That's got, not good. <laughs> no, got in lots of trouble for that. So, Taskmaster, ninth series, um, it's a big hit. It's a global hit, because tell us about this picnic that happened the other day. Ah, yeah, yeah. so I wrote a Taskmaster book, and I did actually write it. You know when there's a TV tie-in, sometimes you don't yes. get the real deal. But yes. I, I sort of am quite uh, keen on Taskmaster, quite passionate about it. So I wrote this book, and one of the tasks in the book, there's 200 tasks for members of the public, and one of them, task 185, was just some coordinates... Longitude and latitude and a date said 12 noon, sat- uh, the 14th of September 2019, meet at this location for a picnic. And I expected maybe 80 or 100 people, because it's in a book. You know, you've got to buy the book, you've got to actually read the book. And then you've got to go to the effort of yeah, you've got to care. Googling it yeah. and then finding it. And so I turned up um, at 12 o'clock, found the coordinates, and uh, there were nearly 2,000 people there. And it was, yeah, it was quite a life-changing moment, really weird moment. And really exciting and terrifying and and uh, life-affirming and brilliant. You know, my kids were there, Rachel was there. And just all these people with their families and dogs. And people come from New Zealand and Australia and New York. So we had a picnic for six and a half hours. Right, which was basically a pop-up festival. It turned into a pop-up festival. So are we going to do the big Taskmaster Festival? Well, it crossed my mind. I mean, so I spent the summer with you at Car Fests, yeah. which were so wonderful and lots of lovely people getting together so uh, you know my eyes were open for that so I think there's something we can do and I wish I'd brought the band that I mean I really expected just a handful of people so we thought oh with those people we should have brought the band we should have put these things on well you didn't know no and we didn't need it they all made friends and did tasks people had their own books they were accomplishing things from the book what like what kind of things were they doing well we we attempted to beat the world record for the most uh, beach ball uh, beach ball uh, keepy uppies keepy uppies thank you Chris um but there's tasks like how many uh, knees can you get in one picture? So you had potentially 4,000 knees. Why is that funny? It's just funny. It's funny when you try to engineer it, when you're trying to persuade people to get their knees in right. one photo. Can you squeeze your knees That's in? That's funny. Squeezing the knees. And just kids love, you know, the kids really like um, the show. It's, not, it's meant to be a grown-up programme. It's on late, but the kids really like it. Taskmaster the board game. Mm. Right. I understand it's sold out, so there's no point in us talking about it anymore. Well, it's sold out. Online, uh, it's still available in some shops. Right. Debenhams next, I think. You've got to go to weird shops. I think Boots are selling it. See, that's quite those, peculiar. Those are the kind of shops you go to, and halfway through going to some of them and having some more of them still to go to, you go for a sausage roll in Greg's. Oh, oh that's, that, that sounds like that kind of shop to me. Yeah. Sometimes the arcade can be too hot. Sometimes it can be too cold. Other times it can be too stuffy, too busy. Other times a bit lonely. And mm. um, too hard floored. A little bit too airy. The floor can a little be bit hard, too labyrinthine. Yeah. A little bit too to unlabyrinthine. That, oh, that sparks all those thoughts in my head. So you, you go to Greg's, get a sausage roll and a board game. <laughs> yeah, I think they sell it in Greg's. Yeah, no, it's fun. So board games, I think, aren't where you make money, but it's where you have a lot of fun. So I've sort of teamed up with this tiny little group of people called yes. Ginger Fox and slaved over it 
pointlessly. It took loads of time, and it's really fun. Uh, we, I mentioned that to Rachel before. I said we got we got the um, we got the series to talk about. Uh, we got the board game, and then you reeled off for like three other things. What was it? Uh, horn section podcast. Horn section podcast. Oh, the horn section podcast. Tell us about that. Uh, we've done uh, this back. Uh, they're talented musicians, and I'm not, but I'm in charge, so it's a lot of fun. And every week we do a podcast. Ben Shepherd's on this week. Okay, what kind of things do you talk about? What we, kind of shenanigans do you get we up play to? This one, uh, he brought his kids. We played a game called the Traffic Light Yum Yum Game, where I blindfolded his children and put, <laughs> put food in their mouths, and they had to guess what colour the food was: red, or, red, orange, or yellow. So it was first of all a what's it, then fennel, and then merlot. Now, if you, if you, there are certain gurus uh, in India who mm. see through their tongue. Yes. So they would be good at that game. Yeah, his children may be those Indian gurus. They were very good at the game. They could be the apprentice little junior gurus. But then they, they're very polite, the shepherds, and they sent me a thank you letter to his children. And the thank you letter said, uh, Dear sir, thank you so much for letting me come to Lords and watch the test match. And uh, Ben's told me since that the chairman of the MCC has got a letter saying, I had a really nice time with you. Thank you for letting me play the traffic light yum yum game. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no explanation. Tell us about the door, the, leaving the front door. No, I mean, he came to pick me oh, up from the station. Which is a lovely Which was thing. very kind of him. Okay, yeah, I thought. But, but you know, brownie points tend to just vanish into dinner. And we drove back to the house, and as we pulled into the gate, I was like, oh, why is the front door wide open, darling? And then she sent me in to check for the bad people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would have gone with it. We must have been burgle, sweetheart. Yeah. That's what it I would have gone with. Wasn't me. Did, did you, what did you say? What was your response? I went and said hello, and there was no reply, so I said, we're, I think we're safe. The bad people would have said hello. And then, but at what point did, it, did, it, did uh, Sherlock here decide that it was you that left the front door open? Oh, immediately. Immediately. Oh, did you? Yeah. Has he, done any, has he got previous with this? Oh, I mean, we'd just be pretty standard. Who needs front doors anyway? Uh, That's the problem with society now. We're too closed. I from, a sec- need- from a domestic security point of view, I agree. keys in the door as well. Yeah, I think burglars <laughs> burglars wouldn't go into that house if the door's open. They think that's a, a trap. I think. See, I didn't think keys in the front. <laughs> I didn't think keys in the front door were to lock and open the front door. I thought they were to start the house. <laughs> <laughs> all right, should we stop now? Anything else before he goes? Um, Remember to close all doors behind you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Were you brought up in a barn? All that kind of stuff. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm not in trouble at the moment. That dissipated that trouble. Didn't no, it? that was All fine. Right. So, so tour section, tour, tour section, horn section, tour, yeah. tour, tour dates. Uh, you got um, Brighton, Dorking, December, Milton Keynes, Leicester, Rex, Isle of Wight, Aldershot, Exeter, November, Hull, Leamington, Spa, Budley, and Northampton, you know October. What? Hull and the Isle of Wight are the ones that we're keen to sell. Sell. All right. Uh, by the way, Isle of Wight. He doesn't. Uh, that's where I would go and see. I would go. Yeah. Any excuse to go to the Isle of Wight and maybe stay forever. Hovercraft. Hotel, perfect. All those things. All right, great. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. In 2016, the Collins English Dictionary named Hugge runner-up to Brexit as word of the year. Oh, if only it was number one. Our next guest is the man responsible for bringing this cosy Scandinavian concept to the wider world. And here, with a copy of his new book, The Art of Making Memories, is the dashing Dane himself. It's Mike Viking. Hello. How are you? I'm well. And, I mean, you can pronounce it Hugge, you can pronounce it Ugu. <laughs> I've even, uh, even heard hockey uh, as a pronunciation. I, said, I, I think we should all switch to that because that is how it's supposed hockey. to feel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, um, your book launched a, a million editorials, a million articles in all the papers, especially the Sundays here. Um, did you expect it to cause such a stir? No. So, I mean, when you write a book, you hope that somebody will read it. Uh, but the reception my books have received have been like, you know, daydreaming on steroids. I, I didn't expect that it would be translated to 38 languages and sell more than 2 million copies. But there is a global interest in, in happiness. So, so I work at the Happiness Research Institute in, in Copenhagen. Right. And I try to understand how can we measure the good life? Why are some people happier than others? And how can we improve quality of life? And there is a global thirst for that. Okay, the Happiness Research Institute. Okay, when did that come about? How is it funded? How many people are there? What's it like to work there? Well, it was funded in, uh, founded in 2013. We're nine people, all trying to look at happiness from a scientific perspective. I know it sounds like a magical place, and you know Mondays are for puppies and Tuesdays are for ice cream, uh, but we're trying to understand how can we create good conditions uh, and improve quality of life. But are they really? Are Mondays really for puppies and Tuesdays for ice cream? I'm sorry to let you down. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, so we look. Shame. <laughs> so we we look at at happiness from a scientific point of view and try to understand 
and how can we improve quality of life? And okay. that's also what the books are about. So um, we talk about this thing all the time, both off the air, on the air with our friends and our families and our colleagues here who are hopefully our friends too. Um, and we, we think that, you know, the, li- the less serious you take yourself, you can be focused on a task and you can be focused on a mission and you can be focused on a purpose or a higher purpose or whatever you like, and that's completely fine. And you can be fully present and give it your full attention and that's completely fine too. But if you take any- anything, especially yourself, too seriously, that's where it all begins to go wrong. And if you don't, then you, you almost get happiness automatically. Right. Yeah. Sometimes happiness is, is best actually achieved as a byproduct. Focus on something else. Focus on having a good time with your mates. Focusing on creating an, a nice evening, a hoogly evening, some good food on the table, perhaps some wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then happiness will come happiness as a byproduct. Happiness creeps in, doesn't it, behind you and taps exactly. you on the shoulder and says, hello, exactly. we're here. But what I also wanted to, to underline, and, and that's with the new book, is I think a lot of people think of happy memories as something random, as something we just happen to achieve uh, but what i saw with, with with the new book was it's actually an area we can influence we can actually control to some extent what we and our children remember right so so happiness as far as you're concerned because you are the man you were the happiness guru and um, when did it begin for you as, as a journey a challenge as a vocation well, I started working with this in 2013. I was seeing how much was happening globally with happiness research. Why, why, why? Why did you think to do that in 2013? Because there was so much happening globally. UN passed a happiness re- resolution. Different governments, they were starting to measure right. happiness as part of progress. Uh, famously, you have Bhutan, who are measuring gross national happiness instead of gross national product. And I thought, there should be somebody in Denmark pooling this knowledge. There should be somebody trying to understand why does Denmark always do well in these happiness rankings. Yeah. And then I thought... Maybe I should do that. And I was working for another think tank at the time, and, and there, uh, therefore I created And what is it about Scandinavia? Because we talk about Scandinavia all the time, Norway, Denmark, Sweden. Um, what, what is it? Why is it? Why have you got it right where so many other areas of the world seem to have got it less right? I think we're good at focusing on experiences. Um, also, Hugo was the art of creating a nice atmosphere. It's also what I wanted to do with the new book, uh, help people create memorable experiences. I think we're all looking for creating an unforgettable life. I think we're all looking for our children being able to look back at a happy childhood. And let me give you an example of how you're also doing that well here in the UK, because I remember one uh, British lady uh, around 30 years old who we included in, in, in the book, and she decided to go to the beach with her family and they wanted to cook out there and have breakfast. And they go out there to the beach and it's cold and it's windy and they end up eating uh, half-cooked porridge um, (laughs) covered in sand. But she she calls it unrivaled family time because despite they were sitting there cold and eating horrendous food, it really brought them together as a family. So I think that's a wonderful example. And what she might do, and that's one of the tips in the book, is she might go back to that beach and find a a nice uh, stone, a nice rock, and then turn that into a necklace if she has daughters and then give that uh, to her daughters because that will be something that will trigger a memory of that crazy afternoon we went to the beach and had horrendous uh, porridge. Right, well... You did not disappoint, did he? <laughs> you Amazing. are great. We love you. Uh, you've made us happy. Thank My you very much indeed. All right, his job is done. Uh, off he goes doing it somewhere else. Mike Viking and the brand new book is called The Art of Making Memories. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. From neo-Nazis to Christine and Neil Hamilton, from Scientology to Keith Harris and Orville. Eclectic is a good word to describe our next guest. His brilliant memoir, Gotta Get Through This, is out now. And here to tell all is the documentary Don himself, the wonderful Louis Theroux. I've got to get through this. I've got to get through. I've got to get through this good title, Lou. Thank you. Okay, was that always on the back burner? Uh, that I would. I wish I could say I, t- I wish I could take credit for it. To be honest with you, that was a meme on the internet about four or five years ago, okay. and um, and for a long time, although it was in the back of my head, I thought it was too stupid. I was trying to position myself as a sort of literary book, you know, in the marketplace, and then I finally made my peace with the idea of it being a kind of big celebrity memoir. You're the last person, or you were the last person that I ever thought would bring out an autobiography because you weren't notoriously private or fierce private you just were private and and so how come now i think it's partly the aging process although do you know the honest answer is that i just sort of i I got a book contract you'll know if you're in tv uh they sort of fling book contracts at you and 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 you 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 fight them off and then at a certain point like fine I'll, i'll sign it and and there's not a lot of thought given to what you will write and so having signed it 
I was like, well, okay, now now what do we write? And it was um, I meant the idea was mentioned of a professional memoir, which sounded quite safe because <laughs> professional, right? You're not going to be talking about uh, I was attacked by a swan aged five. Although that would be interesting too. And then in the act of writing the professional memoir, I thought this is kind of dry. And and, and every time I, I dipped behind the scenes to reveal more of my personal life and specifically my personal anguish, right? Romantic failures. Can I guess what you're going to say next? It became more interesting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the publisher said, can we have more of that, please? It wasn't even my publisher. Because I, I think if they'd said it, I would have resisted it. I would have thought that was the man telling me um, to sort of prostitute myself. Whereas it was actually my wife. I showed her and she said, yeah, these bits are good. Um, this sort of the material where it deals more with your emotional life and and upbringing and things but that happened that didn't have immediate bearing on the program that was the stronger material yeah, and in, you know, if you're in denial if you're in denial of it in print you've sort of a little bit in denial of it in real life and this yeah. helps you to fall back in love with yourself or become yeah. re, re, re befriend yourself I think so and there's a bit of preciosity that surrounds people who like oh I don't talk about anything to do with my personal life I used to regard it as a kind of a positive quality do you remember Chris Morris I the, do. The, 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 the sort of shadowy prankster and, and, and of course like there were nowadays it's people like Sasha Baron Cohen and Banksy and there used to be a kind of a sense of like I used to really admire the vir- sort of abstemious virtuous quality of people who say like no 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 I'm mysterious you won't know anything about me it's just about the work and then as I got older I thought actually maybe maybe it's more interesting to talk about stuff a little bit Share, share. Especially because I make revealing programs about other people, it would be a bit one one sided to say, but you don't get to know anything about me. Your review that you gave to your book, uh, yes, on Amazon, five stars. <laughs> was it really because of the Cameron issue? Oh yeah, it was. But it's, I mean, well, no, it was the lack of any reviews. Right. It wasn't specifically oh. Cameron. It was the fact I had. I thought it's been out. You know, when you make a TV show, yeah, yeah. And the next day, people are like oh, that was good last night. All right. And the and the, the emails all trickle in through the next day and the yeah, text. And you think you don't care about them, but it's yeah. only when you don't get them then you yeah. suddenly like, think oh, I do care about them. But they and then they come in the next day's a it's a slow kind of enjoyable. Uh, trickle of people giving you positive feedback. I thought, I'll give the book, you know, day one, I thought, no one's going to have read it yet. Then day two, at the end of day two, I thought, well, surely by now, it only takes about eight hours to read it, if you if that's all you do for eight hours. So at the end of day two, I thought, where are the, where are the reviews now? And so I went on Amazon, not a single solitary one. I thought, well, what about Cameron? He's out the same day. Let's see what's going on with him. And he had, I think, six so I thought this isn't funny. So I, so I, um, I thought, well, I've read it, so that surely that entitles me to review it, as long as I'm open about the fact that I've read it and I've written it. Um, and so I put it on there, and then it sort of went, it sort of went viral. It's quite odd. And then they took it down, which is good for business. Which I don't it? understand why they took come on. It down. It's great for business. Yeah, but the thing is, now I've got about 120. So, okay, window into the sad world of Louis through. So now, every now and then, over the weekend, I was like, I'll check now and see if, how many reviews there are. And there's a, it's up to 120. But I don't think a single one of them has read the book. Right. So in a way, it's, it's, it's no good. Because they all say, I haven't read it, but I bet it's good because it's by Louis. That's, that's no good. I want, I want a real men- review. He's getting mentioned, though. That's the, yeah. the, you're getting counts, aren't you, I suppose? Does no one actually read anymore? Yeah, we read. Yeah, cool. People. I know. See, what's is, funny about this show is... This someone is on a, your staff read it. No, no is this is a very readery show. This, people, the reason we have authors on is because yeah. publishing companies love the show because we, move, we sell books. Did you read Cameron's book? Yes, I did. It's here. Cover to cover. I was so busy reading his, I couldn't read yours. <laughs> How does that no, Well, Brexit's a pressing issue. Mine's more of a Christmas stocking stuffer <laughs> or a holiday read. You don't read it for, out of obligation. You read it for pleasure. Uh, it's out now. Yes. And you can read it. Good you stores. can read it and review it. Yes. Or you can Please just say, you say it's bound to be good. You don't need to buy it. <laughs> no, no, that's the wrong message. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. And audiobook and all the rest of it. Good for you. Thank you. All right. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.